And welcome to this last episode of this series of the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. Rochelle, you said this is a three-hour special. Is that is that correct? I hope it's not three hours. Yeah. There's a lot of ground to cover, though, because it covers three days. Yeah, this is the Easter series. So if you've uh, if this is the first episode that you've listened to in a week, you might go back to the previous four days where we covered the week leading up to the cross and the resurrection. Of course, that's where we're at today. Good Friday. It's so good to just kind of go over the fact that Jesus did not go and hide somewhere before he decided to lay down his life because it was a decision. He lived life in mm-hmm. this week. Mm-hmm. I mean, he some of the most famous of all of his parables, the stories that he shared in his teachings, were shared during this week. And the healings took place, and, and he was a busy well, guy. We ask that question sometimes, what would you do if you were given one week to live yeah. or one month. And we have some fun with the answers, but I, I think what I hope that I would do in some way is, is take Jesus example and benefit others somehow, mm-hmm. help others serve others the way he did living up to that. Maybe it is on a, a cool travel trip or something, yeah. but at least serving the people around you. Cause clearly he did a lot of that leading up to the cross. And then obviously served us all on the cross too. Can, so. can we start there? So we ended at a servant's, The servant's name was Malchus. The servant of the high priest, Caiaphas, uh, was the guy whose ear got sliced off by Peter. Okay. And the high priest, I did not realize until this morning I was reading about it, it, the high priest, Caiaphas, was a part not of the Pharisees, but the Sadducees. And so there's two groups. So that make up the Sanhedrin. Let me just see if I can if I can do this a little bit with modern day things. Okay. So let's just say there was one denomination that was let's say there's two Christian denominations. You could do that, or you could go Republicans or Democrats. Okay. All right. But they weren't they weren't necessarily in charge of the government though, per se. Is that right? No, not not hugely. I mean, that was still up to Rome, mm-hmm. but Rome knew that they wanted to you know, keep the peace among the people. So they allowed the Jewish folks to have their holidays and do their rule, traditions. Rule themselves to some degree. Yeah, to some degree. And they, you know, Herod wasn't necessarily, uh, you know, hugely in with the people. Mm-hmm. He was very much a pawn of Rome. But uh, yeah, they, they let him have the quote. They, he was a quote king, you know. So... Um, yeah, not to go political or anything, but if you wanted to, there's obviously ways that pe- people in both sides of Republican or Democrat, they mm-hmm. believe, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But there is the one thing that they hold true to. They desire the best for these United States of America. And I think that was true for Pharisees and the Sadducees. Okay. They believed in one God, the one true God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they wanted the best for the people of of the Lord, the chosen people. Uh, but they've differed on a lot of things. The main one being the Pharisees believed in life after death. Um, and they did believe uh, that supernatural events did occur. The Sanhedrin, uh, excuse me, the Sadducees did not. Okay. So even at one point you may read later on, if you continue to read through the New Testament, uh, Paul the Apostle, when he's preaching, he actually uses that to his benefit because he kind of brings it up in the midst of a courtroom situation and it gets him distracted 
because he knows that they're going to go off on each other. It's kind of like oh, yeah. the Republicans yeah. and the Democrats of today, you know, if you bring up one sore spot subject, they're going to just, yeah. whatever they were talking about, that's going to be set aside. Okay. We're going to okay. talk about this. Get the focus off of you for a second. And that's what Paul does at one point. But that's yeah, the, the Sadducees did not believe in those types of things. It's life after death. So I think this is why you're pointing this out because mm-hmm. you're going where this is going to be even more incredulous to Caiaphas that yeah. he's claiming he's going to be risen from the day from the dead on the third day. Caiaphas is the high priest. He is a Sadducee. He does not believe in the supernatural. Interestingly enough, though, it's Malchus who is his his servant, his right hand guy whose ear gets sliced off. Do you remember what Jesus does yep. after that happens? Put that ear right back on. It's healed. But. I work for a dude who doesn't think this is a thing. Yeah, that's interesting. That is interesting, right? But he heals him in that moment. And so at this, obviously Jesus knows what's about to happen and yet continues to serve. Mm. And uh, we know that he willingly goes with them. But when you are under a guard's control and authority and you are the prisoner, well, anything can happen, especially with the Roman army. And it was not a pleasant situation for him. And for the next several hours, it was agony, physical agony. This is before he has any court appearances that he uh, does get beaten to some degree. The the punishment of the cat of nine tails, which we'll kind of get into, that was was after the... uh, Well, you'll get into the order of it. Yeah, so first he gets taken in front of the council, the Sanhedrin, and he sees the high priest Caiaphas, who apparently was not a great guy. Mm-hmm. There were some people, there were many people of integrity that would serve in some capacity the in the council and the Sanhedrin. But this guy, not such a great guy. And he's taken there and all he needs to get out of Jesus basically is that he is the son of God. And the moment that Jesus complies and says, yes, that's, that's who I am, then he knows he has him under Jewish law, but being, you know, blasphemy. Yeah. Kind of a thing. So he's taken to that uh, that place where the council's meeting, to Caiaphas. This is where Peter follows closely along with John. So the rest of the disciples have left mm-hmm. Jesus' side. But they, they follow at least at distance. And they're allowed into the inner parts of where Caiaphas is, into the inner court area. Because um, John knows somebody there. And so Peter... Peter doesn't get quite as close as John does. And while he's hanging out uh, with people, you know, by the fire or uh, just the other people who are hanging out in the courtroom area or excuse me, the outer courts area, that's when he's asked and confronted three times, you know, wait a second, weren't you with, and perhaps you're familiar with this part of the story, but when he talks, it's like if you meet somebody from Houston as versus somebody from New Jersey, you can clearly tell the difference with the dialect with mm. the way we talk yeah you know we have a more southern you know a love uh, way of talking here where we live in texas and houston whereas others in other parts of the nation have a different so the galilean accent was with peter they could tell wait you were with jesus we can tell from your accent yeah and three times he said no he was not with jesus and at one point he even swore no, leave me alone, blankety blankety blank. I don't know the man. And then cockadoodle do. 
then the rooster crows. And then that's when he realizes what he's done. And he fulfills what Jesus said prophetically would happen before a rooster crows the next day. You're going to have say, you don't even know me three times. And of course, he's devastated by this. This is his best friend. And just hours before it said, I would die before that would happen. And you always think about how just a few hours later, could you forget about that? Mm -hmm. But in the the whirlwind, it's, it's like a car wreck happened. Yeah. You know, the, where a shocking event has happened where, you know, what you said, the Greek word means that anywhere between three and six hundred men came after Jesus. Yeah. And band. so the shocking, you know, a lot trauma, of stuff happened. Trauma, yeah. really. And so, you you know, you know, your mind would be going a million miles an hour every which way. Yeah. And it's real easy to throw any one of these disciples, quote, under the bus. I can't believe they would do that. But no, unless you've been in one of those circumstances in some ways. Yeah, I think there would be a like, like you're in shock in some ways. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That doesn't okay it. I mean, he clearly, you still have the ability to choose your words. Yeah. And he chose to say what he chose to say. And he knew that. That's why he was so grieved after he did it. Yeah. And yeah. I can't imagine because he's in the same area where Jesus is totally being. I mean, yeah, they're punching him in the face. Who who punched you? Prophesy who punched you, mm. you know, because he's got his eyes covered or at this point, maybe his hair is in his eyes. I don't know. He can't see anything because of the blood because he's been punched so many times. For whatever reason, they're telling him, hey, just you prophesy who punched you. Anyway. So he is taken then from Caiaphas once Caiaphas has what he needs to, quote, convict, takes him to uh, Pontius Pilate, who's the one in charge in Rome. Well, and so this is what in, I wanted to. In that to, area, that to, vicinity, the, yeah, gov the to, government. To make sure to get get uh, clear, clear uh, clarification here, uh, Caiaphas was, you already kind of described him. Now, Pilate was working for Rome. Yeah. Nothing to do. He's not a Jewish person. He's He's yeah. not. Okay. So I remember the Easter pageant that we had where they had it set up. They had two stages and they'd spotlight one over here to the right. And it was Caiaphas stage. And then, you know, then they'd show the spotlight of Jesus walking over to Pilate stage. Of course he had the bowl where he'd mm -hmm. wash his hands of it. And he really didn't, uh, you'll get into this, but he, he didn't really have one preference one way or the other, you know, he didn't like his job. He didn't like his, that's right. Pontius that's right. Pilate was yeah. not crazy about the fact that he had been, uh, it was almost like a demotion. Okay. Yeah. You know, like they sent you to Antarctica or something. Yeah. And, you yeah. get this post. Congratulations. Yeah. You get to handle all these Jewish people who are super into their God. Uh huh. Uh huh. And, you know, basically people are roaming their eyes, keep them happy so they'll, they, they won't turn against us and then it'll be a big sore on our side. Yeah. So he got this job and Pontius Pilate, yeah, he's there and he's just trying to keep the peace. Um, and maybe you've maybe you've been there in a position, you know, whether you're a teacher or some other position in a work environment where you have to be the one to keep that guy from getting mad at that guy. Mm. Or so that, Frank's mad again. Oh, what's going on? And he sees this guy, and he's like, "Dude, this isn't okay." First of all, where is he from? He's from there. Well, this isn't an issue for Rome. Then this needs to be taken up with Herod. Sends him to Herod. And Herod is just excited because he's heard all of the stories that everybody else has heard the name Jesus. They've heard about the miracles that have taken place. And Herod just wants a show. Mm -hmm. And Jesus isn't there for a show. And so he doesn't do, you know, any miracles in front of him. And Herod gets bored with him and sends him back to Pilate. Mm. And then Pilate uh, 
about this. It's like 730 in the morning at this time, because once again, you're exhausted. You're beaten. You haven't slept. You've just if you've ever cried so hard that your head is pounding, you can only imagine how you would feel after you've sweat blood. Yeah. From that agonizing prayer time in the Garden of Gethsemane to this point, it's now 730 in the morning. Pontius Pilate has you and people are demanding that this man who Pontius Pilate, he doesn't. Why? What did he do? Well, he said he was the king of the Jews. Well, you got him there a little bit with the government. You can't be doing that because we've established who is, quote, king here. Oh, yeah. Okay. So he he has him whipped. Uh, and he, we've talked about the cat of nine tails. And it, honestly, I think it's it's presented in a way that is unforgettable in the passion of the Christ. And you realize what that means when you have that visual. Um, my goodness. It's it's this whip that's been fashioned. It has nine different leather straps to it. And there are bits of glass, bone, metal, whatever's sharp and can uh, like Velcro attach to the human body. Mm. And then when you pull it back, it rips out chunks of yeah. your body. It's just awful. And he's whipped. Um, and the Romans, again, the, the, we mentioned this, I think yesterday, they are specialists in torturing, but up until a point where they, they're not going to kill you, they're just going to really hurt you. Mm -hmm. And so after he is whipped, they go over to the, and it's the word got around. Oh, he's the king of the Jews. So they have these thorny bushes there. If you've ever been to Israel, they'll take you along to these places where you see thorny bushes and say, it's possible that this is what they could have fashioned his crown out of. Okay. And they're not little rose thorns. These are thick nail like thorns and they fashion this crown. Oh, king of the Jews. And they slam it down into his skull. Mm. And then they put this red robe around him. Oh, king of the Jews. Cause red or something like a, a, a scarlet color or purple, it symbolizes royalty. And of course they're not doing it at all to, to love on him. No. The worst thing you could possibly do is put clothes over these kinds of wounds that he has too. I mean, Oh yeah, that would be completely aggravating. Well, aggravating is not even a strong enough word. Well, and the, as soon as the blood dries on the cloth, what happens? Yeah. Then you got to pull that off and it, you know, it oh rips gosh. it back open again. Yeah. It's awful. So he's whipped. He's brought back before Pontius Pilate and he is silent through this whole time. And I, and that was something that was prophesied in the Old Testament would happen like a like a sheep before its shearers. He was silent. And Pontius Pilate's like, you know, I have the authority to kill you. Why aren't you even trying to defend yourself? And Jesus just says the most profound thing. You would not have this authority if it was not given to you from above. He says it's like everything that Jesus said was weighed in his mind, whether mm -hmm. he would open his mouth or not. You're not going to force me to speak here. Yeah, because yeah. he knew what his mission was, and it was to die on that cross. And so he doesn't defend himself, but he does disturb Pontius Pilate greatly to the point of Pontius Pilate finally um, washing his hands of the situation. Even his wife, that's an interesting part of the story. Pontius Pilate's wife comes to him and says, do not do any. Well, she, she doesn't come to him. She sends him a message. Don't do anything wrong to this man. I had a dream about him. There's something about this guy. You need to leave him alone. 
Well, and, and can I say too, of Jesus not saying anything, what a good lesson of now we're, we're imperfect. I mean, but somebody at work or in traffic tries to knock us off our game by getting mad at us or demanding an answer or trying to start an argument and to not let yourself get off kilter to stay. Don't, you don't even have to say anything. Jesus didn't in the midst of that. Jesus didn't say he was silent so much of the time and just said what he needed, wanted, did want to say. And uh, again, that that's in such a trying circumstance, you know, why, why, when somebody picks a fight on Facebook, do I, well, I better let him know piece of my mind. Like, yeah. No, I, I don't have to say anything. You go back to what you were saying about Peter. I mean, that's a great example of what happens when you speak in the moment mm. instead of ta- taking mm-hmm. a beat. Yeah. You know, you, you end up saying something you regret. Yeah. Take a beat. Yeah. And so, uh, I mean, in keeping with this timeline, it's, um, it's around noon or getting closer to noon when Pontius Pilate was like, you know what? We have a tradition. Your Passover's coming up. Uh, we usually let somebody go. So they bring out this guy who is named Barabbas and he has been charged with murder. And he's like, this is a no brainer. They're going to choose Jesus because he hasn't done anything wrong. He's only made some accusations about, you know, being if, if, the, if the crazy man wants to pretend to be God's son, I mean, is he really going to be a threat to Rome? Mm-hmm. But here's this guy who's a murderer. They're going to choose to let Jesus go, which, of course, um, if, if you know the story, that's not what happens. Uh, he gives him a choice. Who would you want to see free? Barabbas. Give us Barabbas. What? What, what do you want me to do with Jesus? Crucify him. They're all screaming, crucify him. Mm-hmm. And the juxtaposition that's been pointed out by countless the- theologians is, you know, just a week ago, people were shouting Hosanna and now they're shouting crucify him. Yeah. Some people have suggested the people that were in that courtroom situation were positioned there by the high council. Mm. Um, I don't know if that's completely accurate, but they that's when he takes out the water basin. There's that part of the pageant you're talking about where they had the place where Pontius Pilate has them bring me a bowl of water. And right there in front of the crowd says, I'm washing my hands of this man's death. This is on you. Mm. And then they say these infamous words, let it be on us and our children. Oh, yeah. I forget about that. Okay. And they send him out to be crucified. He has to carry the wooden beams uh, that he will be hung on. And you know what's happened to him thus far. He's been up all night. He's been beaten. He's been whipped beyond recognition. They've removed now the cloak that has dried itself to his body, reopening all of those wounds. Now they're putting hard, not sanded down wood on his back to carry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if he still had the crown of thorns on at this time. Maybe they removed that when he's on Calvary. Maybe they kept it on his head. We see it obviously represented both ways in pictures and our paintings. Uh, and then he he has to walk this path he can't make it all the way. If you've been to Israel, and I have not been, my parents have been, but it is such a slender area that he had to walk. The Via Dolorosa, it's the way of suffering. It's this tiny little area where he would have to get through the crowd sneering and jeering and mocking, uh, coupled with the fact that the Roman soldiers pushing him along the way. He's no strength left, and he 
fell under the weight of this thing, and they pull in this guy named Simon, uh, Simon from Cyrene. He's there actually for Passover. He's there to to worship at the temple, and he's forced into carrying this cross. There's another story I would love to hear when I get to heaven. Mm-hmm. I want to talk to Simon. Yeah. What was that like? Because he, he sees the injustice of it all. Well, we were uh, just going over this before, and one one guy that we'll mention a little bit later, Joseph of Arimathea, with the tomb, Yeah. Uh, you know, the disciples were scattered. So here you got these people stepping up mm-hmm. in the midst of all yeah. of this that, you know, you would, yeah, I mean, you talk about in heaven, I mean, you'd probably get to talk to Simon of Cyrene, yeah. you know, more than likely. Yeah. And so it's just fascinating, these other believers, honestly, it sounds like, that that stepped up in that moment. Yes. There are other uh, themes presented in movies like The Passion of the Christ, where traditionally we see people step in like, um, uh, if you've watched the film, you saw the woman bring water. That's an actual, so Mel Gibson, when he was directing, made these choices based on what is tradition um, and there's the stages of the cross when you go through the Catholic Church. And I'm not Catholic, and if I'm if I'm not saying things perfectly here, that's because I don't have a true understanding. I didn't. I wasn't raised in that environment. But mm-hmm. it's such a thoughtful type of process to go through the stages of the cross and think about who might have been there on that long walk, who did step in, who didn't, uh, who chose to jeer alongside and maybe change their mind later. Mm. You know what what was that like? But when he gets to Golgotha, uh, the place of the skull, it looks like a skull. Calvary is another name for this place where they, it's outside the city a little bit, but not too far. It's like a stone's throw outside the city. And that's where they kill these people on the crosses. And he's hung between two thieves, nailed to the cross. It's about noon when all of that takes place. Uh, we do know that Mary, his mother, is there. At some point, she's there because Jesus talks to John from the cross in regards to his mother. Um, so one of at least one of his disciples is there. Mm-hmm. Um, most people, if they're watching, are watching from a distance. A lot of the disciples just went into hiding at that point because they don't know what what happened. Yeah, between the him washing my feet last night and what happened, I've never for some reason until today I've never really thought about it as. Um, as kind of like a 9-11 where mm. you're one, you know, I walked into my classroom and they're like the uh, two planes have flown into the World Trade Center and the Pentagon's on fire. And I, we were like, what? What? What is going yeah. on? Yeah. And so you, you, it's so finite to us because we know the beginning, middle, end of this story, but you're in the midst of it and they're scattered because what is going on? I don't even know where to be. I don't know if they're after mm. me. And it's kind of fascinating to think about why they are where they are. Yeah. There's, I, and it was just an inch, the whole story. I'm so grateful that John was present, that those who were present were there so that they could testify about it later and we could know what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that he spoke several things from the cross. And interesting, he references a psalm when he says, Father... Why have you forsaken me? Mm, mm-hmm. He is literally, it's quoting a psalm. And and from what I understand, you know, in this particular, uh, the Jewish people would have been used to people reciting scripture and then having it repeated back. They would have known that scripture passage. And that psalm is in reference to, I believe, um, 
a redemption. So they would have known from his speaking that passage, it would have been familiar to them. And uh, I thought that was very fascinating. But there was, it wasn't just like he was throwing out their words willy-nilly. And, you know, when he did talk to John, he was like, behold your mother and mother, behold your son. He was giving them to each other so that they would have, you know, she, she wouldn't feel abandoned. Mm. And, uh, and they did have quite a, a sweet and tender relationship after that, you know, and just keeping track of each other. And, um, and then he, you know, said he was thirsty from the cross and then they tried to give him something on a sponge to drink. It was just nasty vinegar. Mm -hmm. Uh, the thieves spoke to him. One of them of course was just ugly. Yeah. You know, save yourself, save us too. And then the one guy points out, dude, we have a reason to be here. Yeah. Um, And and that's when people get concerned about, okay, my relatives on their deathbed and, you know, I don't know what their beliefs are. I mean, I always look to this story, mm. you know, because he was in a, at least a, a situation. A, he's on his a, deathbed. Quite yeah. a predicament. He's on the cross. Yeah. And the thief. Um, the thief was. Yeah. And and when him saying, you know, think of me in paradise today or think of me in your kingdom. And Jesus says, you'll be with me in paradise today, I tell you. Yeah. And so just the that faith instantly, you talk about a salvation moment is certainly what it appears to be. It's never, you're never too far gone. Yeah. That, it's never too late. That too, absolutely. What an amazing gift that we have that passage. Yeah. Unbelievable. And his life, his eternity changed within moments. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's one of the hardest. I, I remember as a child watching, you know, whether it was Jesus of Nazareth, the greatest story ever told, these movies that have been presented in Hollywood over the years. Oh, man. I was a basket case, just cry my eyes out. Please, I don't want you to die. I don't want you to die. But I, I, I'm so grateful you did. So he went through all of it for you and for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and basically it was three hours of suffocating. That's what it does to you. It, you can't breathe. So you push up with your legs mm-hmm. and try to get a, a good standing, which of course you can't because your feet are nailed to each other to this, this cross behind you. Yeah. But you're trying to push up so that you can breathe properly. And you can't, so you can't stand up for very long and then you fall back down and it, it's cyclical. The process starts all over again. It's just awful the way that they died. Yeah. So it's not even just the physical pain of, of, you know, being, having your joints completely. I mean, it would have been uh, well, a mess. And I, 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 we don't have to get too much into this, but, um, I've always wondered as a kid, right? Where did I, the nails go? Yeah. Cause I, as a kid, for whatever reason, I, I was like, I hope it was right in the middle of the palm. Because for some reason the wrist really freaked me out. Yeah. But I, I, I honestly, it's going to be horrendous anyway. But do they know kind of where that might have been? Uh, people speculated. Yeah. I think there are some people who say I know without a shadow of a doubt it would have been the wrist because if not, it would have just ripped right through his hand. Mm. Uh, but then they also have. Uh, it indicates that sometimes they used ropes to keep their oh, arms up there. The, okay. So I don't. I honestly don't know. I don't know that anybody knows. We do know there was a sign above his head. Uh, that they wrote in three different languages, Jesus, King of the Jews. Mm-hmm. And that greatly upset the Sanhedrin who were there. Take that down. He's not our king. Mm. But, you know, once they put it up there, it is what it is. And it was just jeering. Yeah. It was making fun of him. And they wrote it in three different languages so that everybody present would know exactly what it said. And then right in front of him there, they gambled for his cloaks. Uh, it was this really nice cloak. Uh, the only reason why they would have gambled for it because it was um, 
expensive. It was uh, seamless. So it was like a circle almost, this perfect circle of, of cloak. Hmm. And so that's, they were like, you know what? We're not going to split up this garment. This is too nice, but we'll, uh, we'll play a game for it. So they gambled for clothes. That was prophesied in the Old Testament that that would happen. Oh, huh, interesting. All, so much of what took place on this day was prophesied. And uh, we've mentioned this before. For one man, we did this during the Christmas season, for one man to be able to meet this many prophecies. I mean, mm. it's just, it's not only unlikely, it's impossible yeah. unless he is who he says he is. And uh, one of the last things that he he spoke on the cross is it is finished. It is accomplished what he set out to do. And then he took his last breath into your hands. I commit my spirit and the sky goes black and there's this earthquake. And it's, it says that the veil in the temple wasn't torn from bottom to top. So like a man could have done it, Mm. you know, get it started. If you ever done that with fabric, get it started and then I'll rip it. Yeah. No, it was from the top to the bottom because what the veil represented in the in the temple was the separation from us from that which was holy. And Jesus came so that that separation would no longer be a thing, that we would be able to have that relationship with God the Father. Because that was where a priest would go in and talk to God for everybody, and he would have to go through a process of cleansing to do it. And then they would uh, uh, tie a rope around his waist because if he wasn't, if he wasn't good, you know, cleansed, he was going to be dead yeah, because he's in the presence of God. They had to pull him out. Yeah. And so the fact that that's a huge, I mean, I wish we had more of that story of who was in the temple at the time How or went in there afterwards and, yeah. and went, oh my gosh, this is cool it was, or, or scary or I don't know. I All this stuff goes down and there's the centurion that's overheard saying, dude, this guy must have been the son of God. Yeah. This is crazy. Why did the son, I mean, the son is instantly gone. Right. It, it was crazy. And uh, because of the storm, the earthquake and everything that was happening, they were told, hey, we need to take, make sure that the thieves are dead. Make sure everybody's dead. We need to take him down on the cross. So the speed of the process we already talked about, they had to stand up in order to take a breath. Well, they broke the legs of the thieves in order for them. And they can't stand up anymore. And so they would suffocate. Yeah. When they came to Jesus, though, um, you know, it was written in the Old Testament that he, not a bone in his body would be broken. And so they they saw that he had already died, and that's why they took the spear, pierced his side, and it said there was this gushing of blood and water that came out. And my husband ex- has explained this to me. It's a medical thing. I, I don't understand, but that would have indicated he had, yes, indeed died. Mm. And that's something that even Lee Strobel shares in The Case for Christ. It's like if you need proof of his death, the fact that those fluids that came out, that would have indicated his death. Mm. Um. And then he was removed from the cross and Joseph of Arimathea, somebody you already mentioned before, he went to, to Pilate, he asked for his body. And Pilate's like, all right, sure. And Joseph was a wealthy man. He was part of the Sanhedrin, uh, took his body and he and another part of the council, Nicodemus, were the ones who buried him in, in Joseph's tomb. Yeah, that, that's a fascinating one to me because we've heard Nicodemus earlier. He's well-to-do. Um, a Was he a Pharisee or a Sadducee or... I don't remember which ones they were. But he, I think they would have been more open because they were more open to what Jesus had to share. They may have been Pharisees because yeah. you know, Jesus spoke about life after death. So, so he he had asked you know that conversation about how to be born again. Mm-hmm. Um, and now you got to wonder, 
we haven't really met Joseph Arimathea, but especially with Nicodemus, what's he thinking now? Yeah. You know, because he had seemed like he had believed maybe. I mean, he's there. But then if he's dead and and now he's you're you are caring for Jesus. So you are you love him. But yeah. then what are you thinking about his his um, death and mortality? And is he this the Messiah? And so I would say the answer to that comes in the amount of spice and oils that they used to to use in his embalming. Mm-hmm. So the Sabbath was is sacred. You know, the Ten Commandments keep the Sabbath holy. Mm-hmm. It was very close to Sabbath, which is sundown on Friday okay. through sundown on Saturday. And this, when he, when Jesus died, they estimated about three o'clock is when he passed away on the cross. And they took him down, they wrapped him in linen, and then they took him, uh, before wrapping him in linen, they took him to the tomb, which was Joseph's tomb in a garden nearby. And they took all these spices. Now, a normal amount of spice, I don't know how much a normal amount would have been, but they used an amount that like 75 pounds is what the scriptures say. Mm-hmm. 75 pounds worth, which would have been more than enough for a king. Okay. Uh, not your average Joe. So they clearly thought this guy is royalty. Yeah. I don't care what anybody else says. So whatever happened did not change the way they felt in terms of how they still looked at him as the king. And they wrapped him in in um, linen and laid him in the tomb, and then put the stone over the entrance to the tomb, so that they would not disrupt their their beliefs in keeping the Sabbath holy. And they left, and uh, it was Saturday. So Saturday was just kind of a day of mourning and waiting. And what happened? Yeah. yeah. Like, would you even be able? I think again, you're in shock. Mm-hmm. We talk about it. I don't know what to say. The The people who obviously did talk about it were the women because the uh-huh. women had a plan for Sunday morning. They planned to head out first thing after Sabbath and finish doing what Joseph and Nicodemus had not finished doing. They were going to finish properly embalming their Jesus. I think about um, you wake up Saturday and even Sunday. Um, you know when something really painful happens? Yeah. Um, we've both lost dogs before. Yeah. Uh, maybe breakups, maybe losing a job. Maybe a, maybe a loved one, yeah. You wake up and you kind of just have a normal wake up for a few seconds or even a minute. And then you remember. And you remember. Mm-hmm. You just imagine that all, well, more than 11, uh, just all the people that love Jesus waking up going, uh, a rush that hits you of just the devastation of the day before. Yeah. There's this famous sermon it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. Do I get to do the thing now? Do you want to do you the thing? You promised me, unless you have more for Saturday. Well, I mean, there, it was a waiting process. I I think they didn't know they were waiting, though. No, they did not. They are just mourning. No. Yeah. They are they, grieving. They didn't understand it. I think the women were waiting because they wanted to do this. Uh, we know that the women went to the tomb alone. So the the guys did not have a plan. They were They were grieving. Uh, but before you play it, okay, let's set it up a little bit. All right. Caiaphas goes to Pontius Pilate and says, all right, this guy said he was going to raise himself up in three days. Uh, and Pontius Pilate must've been like, are you serious? Like you, first of all, you bother me with this guy. Mm -hmm. My wife told me to leave him alone. I end up having to take him out. I freed a murderer. I know I'm going to get heck fire for that from Rome, Mm -hmm. you know? And now 
You're telling me this guy, who I understand you as a Sadducee doesn't even believe that this is possible, but you want me, what do you want me to do about this, Caiaphas? We'll put Roman guards up there so that, um, you know, nobody can, nobody could say. I'm not saying I believe they'll raise from the dead, Pontius Pilate. I'm just saying put guards there so that we can assure that there, there's no hanky, panky stuff going on here. Hocus pocus, whatever you want to call it. And so, all right, put some soldiers there, guards the tomb, and then Sunday morning happens, and there is a slight earthquake, or a large one, enough to get the soldiers, like, freaked out a little bit. An angel appears. Mm-hmm. And then it says the soldiers fell out like, like they were dead. Fell down. I mean, they were out. Stone is rolled away. And that's what happens before the women get there when it, it was incredible. And the angel meets the women. Um, Mary actually probably got there before the angel did and she's freaking out. So she runs back to where the disciples are hiding and they've taken his body. His body is gone because yeah, when she gets to the tomb, there's nothing there, but the linens that had been wrapped in. Hmm. And so Peter and John start running like crazy to go and, uh, Peter, I think, is the only one that goes into the tomb. John's faster, but he doesn't, he, I don't know, he doesn't have the wherewithal to go inside. Peter goes in. He sees that there's nothing there and starts tripping even more. The, they leave. The women, the other women that were going to come and embalm, and this is where it gets tricky because you read the Gospels and it's not like all perfectly written out together. You have to piece the timeline together yourself because yeah. there's, this, well, different perspectives. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But the women get there, and there are the angels, and they tell the women, what are you doing seeking the living among the dead? Because, all right, now play it. Oh, okay. This is perfect. You're so excited. This kind of describes Saturday, and then all of a sudden it's Sunday. Our Savior displayed on a criminal's cross. The darkness rejoiced as though heaven had no. But then Jesus arose with our freedom in hand. That's when death was arrested and my life began. Oh, oh, that's good. That's really good. That's North Point Church, by the way, that oh, sings that. And it's so just good. such a perfect way to say it. So free are the next words in that song. Yeah, I so want to at the very end of this. I want to I want to do something with the very end of that song. Um, but that's uh, so good. Well, and and there's so much goodness here now, and you just imagine the darkness from Friday, and and yeah. now you imagine a beautiful Easter morning. Honestly, is yes. kind of what you imagine. And um, the fact that the guards, the Roman guards, were there is is even more of a testament to the truth yeah. that you know nothing gets past the Roman guard. Yeah. You know, and so yeah. there's so much evidence being built with this as well. And now witnesses seeing him in real yeah. life and him appearing. Two different people at different times. It's a yes. The women, when they're told by the angels, "Hey, guess what?" They're they're like, "Are you?" They ran to go tell the other disciples. Mm-hmm. Of course, the disciples are like, eh. "They don't, mm-hmm. they don't buy it." Nah, I don't yeah. Think so, and Peter and John already checked it out. Eh. Yeah, well, and this is a you've pointed out before. We always talk about doubting Thomas a little later. I won't believe it till I actually touch but, the wounds. Yeah, you know. But they're all doubting right now. Yeah, I don't 
know. I mean, guys, we had a long day yesterday. Mm -hmm. I know you want it to be true. And sometimes people want things a lot. Yeah. And the women, um, God really through the person of Jesus Christ gave women a seat at the table. Mm. I mean, he, they were following Jesus Mm -hmm. and he was leaning on their support. A lot of them and they were awesome in ministry around him. And in the Jewish culture, it wasn't that they didn't cherish women. They did. But there was certainly a place that you had as a woman as opposed to where the man had the place. Mm. Uh, and, and we could go into a whole lot of stuff there in the background. No, let's not do that right now. But Jesus gave women a seat at the, his, his table. And so maybe in their minds yet they had not arrived at that place. In their, You're not at our level yet, guys. Mm. Come on. Yeah. But those were the people that first discovered that he had risen from the dead. And Mary goes back to the tomb after telling Peter and John, and she sees in the tomb again, there's nothing there, but there is a shining guy at the head of where Jesus had laid and at the foot of where Jesus had laid. Two shining angels there. And it wasn't until years later I thought about the Ark of the Covenant and that there was in in the middle between the mercy seat, or excuse me, in the middle between the two angels on top of the Ark of the Covenant. If you've ever seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, it's this golden box that was taken around by the Israelites and it was the presence of God there with them is what it represented and was actually there with them. And if it ever gets open, don't look. Don't look. Yeah. Because we know what happened. Yeah. But there in the middle between the two angels is the mercy seat. Well, here's this incredible representation of the two angels, one at the head, one at the foot. And that was the place where mercy won. Mm. That's the mercy seat right there. And Jesus calls to Mary. She doesn't know it's him yet. Mary, why are you crying? Because they've taken away my savior. I don't know where he's gone. And her name spoken by Jesus is what clicks for her. And she turns around and sees that it's, it's him. And it's this incredible moment in the garden. And eventually, yes, he does meet up with his disciples. He comes in without even opening a door and invites him to give him some dinner. Cause they're like, you're a ghost. He's like, no ghosts don't eat here. Give me some fish. Give me some fish. Yeah. <laughs> and he meets up with some people on their way on the road to Emmaus and we, we see him at the beach later on when he cooks up a fish breakfast for them and has a chat with Peter about denying him and forgives him in that moment. And all these incredible accounts happen after he has been crucified yeah. and he is seen over and over again, as we had mentioned before, 500 witness accounts. Yeah. it's And people even mention that um, graves opened up. They saw people who'd already passed away, been buried. Hmm. Walking around after Jesus rises from the dead, some others join him. This is the total beatdown of sin and death. And that now that he's beaten and he's taken the place in the ultimate sacrifice, now it's just believing in him. And uh, and so do I have this right in my head that he, you know, is risen? And then is it about 40 days? How long is he kind of here? That's a great question. Until he, you know, ascends. He ascends on the Mount of Olives. It's about that time. It's not, I don't think it's 40 days. I think it was 40 days they were to wait before they went to what is called the upper room. Okay. Okay. For Pentecost. That's maybe the number I'm thinking of. Honestly, I'd have to go back, but that's what I'm thinking. He was with them for a short period of time before ascending into heaven. 
long enough to make impact and say, all right, guess what? I have to go. I do, but I'm not really going because I'm sending a helper. And the words that Jesus used when translated from the Greek, it means someone exactly like me Hmm. is going to be with you. And he's talking about his spirit. That same power that rose him from the dead is with you and it's with me. Mm -hmm. And it's such an incredible thought to think of, especially where we're at right now, not just Easter week, but COVID-19 2020, you know, that same power is with you. It's with me. It is the hope that we can give to people that is unlike any other faith that has ever existed because it's real. It's true. Mm -hmm. Uh, and we're blessed to be able to share that hope with you in the midst of what the world would love to just inundate you with fear. But perfect love casts that out, and perfect love is our God. There is something that I, I feel led to do just at the very end here, but um, you wanted to share, we have a couple of favorite Easter celebration <gasps> songs. This is an oldie but goodie. This, this is, is from the 70s. Oh, oh my. He's alive. Have you ever heard that song? He's alive. Heaven's gates are open wide. He's alive. I don't think I've heard that. Don Francisco. Yeah. Yeah, that's a classic. It's a good voice. Good voice. And it's a very interesting video. It's just very old shot video, yeah. Yeah, that's those are scenes taken from the movie Jesus of Nazareth. Now, um, this is going to be an old one, too. But this, okay. this is what we sang at the end of When Jesus Rose Again. Lay it on us. The very end of what we would sing. Let's see. Yeah. What is oh, yeah. this? Celebrate Jesus, celebrate. <gasps> That's that's where in Easter pageant we broke the fourth wall. Yeah. Where we were on stage at first, but then this is where all of us in our you know costumes went into the audience and we're getting them to stand and dancing with them and now remind me, were you one of like the sacrificial lambs? No, what were you? I was a village boy. I was a village boy. Oh, you were one of the village people. Yeah, what no, not like that. I was a village <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, I, I don't know it. how to respond. Now what you got here? This is is this one did you want to play? Oh, the second chapter of Acts. This is called the Easter song. And the look on Carter's face right now. Wait for it. It's not done. Woo! Now, just imagine. Now, he's looking at the picture that is up on YouTube. Yeah, of one of them looks of like they're in Hanson. So, yeah, those yeah. are two sisters and a brother. <laughs> And Matthew Ward is, yeah, he went on to have more of a musical career apart from his sisters in the band. But yeah, that's that's going old school Easter music. Man. And it all applies and it's awesome. And we're celebrating this Easter time with you and just every day that he is risen. He is a risen Lord and he is with you. What I, I want you to think about, this is what I feel led to do. It is the invitation that is there for you. We talked about the uh, thief on the cross that yeah. apparently was believed right at the last moment, right? And so the end of the song that we had played earlier, the death was arrested song, um, it is, it, yeah, it gets me a little tear-eyed at the very end of the song of just, oh my goodness, would you come join along because this is for you? It doesn't matter what you've done. We have people in our family, my wife and I, uh, that they think they've just done too much wrong mm-hmm. and that it, this isn't for them. This is for you. And I just want to play the last little part of this song for you, whatever you've you've been through. Yeah. 
right here specifically. That's the part. Wow. Come join the song of all the redeemed. Come join. This is an invitation for you. Honestly, if you're wondering how do I go about it, just right now, opening your heart, just saying yes. Yes, Lord. I believe. I want to follow you. It's as simple as that, having that sweet conversation and then finding an incredible church. There's so many services you can even watch right now online. It begins with a relationship um, as we see, uh, it ends with a relationship in this lifetime, and we go straight into the arms of Jesus. There is no condemnation in Jesus when we receive him. None.